pray our love would grow deeper, our appreciation for Calvary would grow deeper and stronger, Lord, and, and uh, it would reflect in our lives, God. Uh, we know that, that our time is short, Lord. The, the, your word tells us that it's a vapor. We want to live out our days in service to the King, Lord. So help us to do that. Pray this morning. You give us insight into your word uh, that we might be able to see things, uh, to walk closer with you, to, uh, to finish our course with joy. Uh, and so we just lift up this morning to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So in Luke chapter 4, if you remember back, actually you can look back with me to ver- in chapter 3, um, in verse 21, it says this, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, heaven was opened. Imagine the scene. And we look, looked at these, this verse, these verses last week. Heaven's open. And the Holy Spirit descends in a bodily form like a dove upon him. And then a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, and in you I am well pleased. Amazing. Uh, Jesus is being baptized. There's a large crowd. There's excitement. The highlight is, is God himself, Jesus Christ, comes. He's baptized there in the Jordan River. And then talk about, talk about an amazing baptism. The heavens opened up. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove lands on, rests upon Jesus, and, and then a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. If that would happen at every baptism, that would be kind of cool, right? That uh, would be amazing. Uh, but this is an amazing scene. And, and amazing what the father says to Jesus before he had done one single miracle, before his ministry even started. And that's the way God looks at you and me. He says, you know what? I love you before you even become my son or daughter. I care for you. I died for you. While we were yet sinners, the Bible says. But now as a child of God, something you need to know, that a greater ministry, more time in the Bible, more time in prayer, doesn't make God the Father love you anymore. He already loves you. That's what inspires us to read our Bibles, to pray, to serve him, because why? We have a loving Heavenly Father, who's looking at your life and saying, you know what? You're my beloved son or daughter. I'm already pleased with you. I already want to have a relationship. I want to get closer. Right? That's amazing to me. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, descends like a dove. Right? Not like an eagle or a turkey vulture. Or, right? It's, it's, what do you, when you picture a dove, it's this tender, and that's God's moving. That's when he moves by his spirit, it's like a dove. He rests upon someone, and it's not this huge activity. It's not this, right? It's the Holy Spirit is gentle. And if Jesus needs to be baptized by the Holy Spirit to fulfill the ministry in his life, I think the church of God needs to be, have that same filling, right? Because it's different. Jesus would explain that in John chapter 14. He said, the Holy Spirit, you know, the comforter, he, he shall be with you. That's to come alongside. That's the word, Greek preposition para. And he shall be in you. That's the Greek preposition and. He'll be inside of you to seal you, to claim you as his own. The way a, a king would send a package uh, uh, ahead 
and he'd put a, he would melt wax and then put his signet, his seal on it. And that's the same seal that God has on you by his Holy Spirit. But then in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, listen, the, that you need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon, upon you, a different Greek preposition. He'll be upon you, a P is the word. And you'll be my witnesses. There'll be a different experience. You'll have boldness. You'll have the power of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, which is love for the, the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. So Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit in this amazing, exciting baptism, supernatural experience. And what, what do you think happens next? And many people here maybe know what's coming next in Luke chapter 4, uh, but amazing. Once you get baptized, you'd think, man, what does God have for my life? You'd think, is it Aruba? Is it Hawaii? Maybe a, you know, a dinner cruise on the Sea of Galilee with some snorkeling, and you know, this is amazing. It, it says this in chapter 4. We're going we're gonna to read right down to, chap- to verse 13. It says, And Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when, he had, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, command that this stone become bread. And Jesus said unto him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And then the devil takes him up to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All authority I will give you and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. And then Jesus again answers and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, the highest point, and said unto him, If you are the Son of God, or since you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. And now the devil is quoting the Bible. It is written. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended every temptation, listen, he departed from him until an opportune time. Is that it? Is that the end? No, he's coming back at just the right time to tempt him again. And Jesus, why is he led here? Why does he go, right? It's not, you know, a dinner cruise on the Sea of Galilee, but he's led right into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's showing us something. Life isn't a playground, it's a battleground. And Jesus Christ enters it first by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he goes there because we're going to go there. He's not immune, we're not immune to the devil's temptations for his difficulties and trials. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you haven't. I'm pretty sure most people have, but maybe you haven't identified it yet. Maybe you don't know or understand, wow, that was from the devil. That was a temptation. That was a difficulty that the devil tried to get me to stumble, to knock me off track. 
to displace my feet. And, and so it says this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. You may mark that down. You may know it. It says, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted, yet without sin. He sympathizes with our weakness. He was tempted every single way that you're tempted and I'm tempted, but he has no sin, right? Jesus Christ is our forerunner. He, he is our lead. He is leading the way. He told John the Baptist when John says, ah, you got to baptize me. And Jesus said, listen, it's required that I fulfill all righteousness. I have to do all this stuff. He's leading the way. He's leading the charge. And he goes in and, and he knows the feeling of our temptation. He knows how to sympathize with our feelings, right? The ultimate rejection. He knows what it means to be rejected. He knows what it means to be lied to. He knows what it means to be isolated and feel all alone in the wilderness. He knows what it means to feel betrayed. He knows all those things. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows how you feel. He knows why you, you're like, I have to do that. It's how I feel. I, I feel like this is going to help me or this is going to make me feel better. He knows all those things. He understands what you're going through. He never sinned, but he understands how you feel. He understands how I feel. Sometimes we don't identify sin and temptation uh, because people around us are doing some of the same, very same things. Some people are Christians. And we got to be careful. Peter wrote this. If you turn with, to 1 Peter 5. First Peter 5, probably familiar with this verse. And he know, Peter knows this firsthand. He knows this from experience. The devil is very real. That's the reality. The devil is very real. He doesn't want you to think he is. And he doesn't come with a pitchfork with, and a red suit with a, you know, a red tail that's pointed at the end and little horns. That's not who he is. That's not how he comes. The Bible says he comes, he turns his ministers just like himself into angels of light. He's very deceptive. And you see, that's the way he comes to Jesus. He's deceiving him. He's trying to. Peter knows this because the Lord told Peter, listen, the devil has asked for you by name that he might sift you as wheat. That's something very scary. That process is very scary. Uh, it's not a gentle process. Uh, if you ever watch Little House on the Prairie, you see the, uh, you see the mom, I can't remember her name, the dad's away, and they're out there winnowing wheat, sifting wheat. They're throwing it up in the air and crushing it, trying to get the chaff off. It's a hard process, and all these ladies have to do it because they're going to lose their farms. Um, that's the process that goes on that Satan wants to sift your life. He wants to, be, he wants to agitate, irritate your life to get you to sin and fall, to stumble, to walk away. 
And he does it with lies and deception, temptation. Peter says this in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Peter says, listen, be sober. Be of a sound mind. Be thinking. Don't forget this. And be vigilant, very active, alert, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your your brotherhood in the world. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is going around. We read that in the book of Job. If you read the book of Job, it it starts out with this very scary scene of of Job's life. And, And all of a sudden we get... We're in the presence of God, in the throne room of God, and there's demons, these sons of God coming, and the devil shows up. Hey, where have you been walking? Oh, I've been walking up and down the earth, back and forth in it. And what's he doing? He's hunting for someone to devour. Amazing. We have an adversary. You need to know that. I need to know that. Turn to John chapter 8 with me for one second. As Jesus is talking to the scribes and Pharisees who want to kill him. In verse 44 of John chapter 8, he says this. Speaking of these religious leaders, he says, You're of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. What was the desire of Satan? He wanted to take God's position. He wanted to be on the throne. No authority, no control in his life. Nobody over his life. And that's what the scribes and Pharisees, there's no head over me. We, get, we make the rules. We do what we want, when we want, and how we want. We're our last authority. And he says, you're just like your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. And their desire at that time was to kill Jesus. Like murder. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth. How did, how did the devil murder at the very beginning? What did he do? Lied. He lied to Eve. He says, man, did God say you can't eat any of these trees? Like, man, they're so great. Can you, you can't eat any of them, can you? And Eve's like, no, 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 I can. I can eat them. Just there's one that I can't eat or touch. And then the devil's like, gotcha. Because God never said you couldn't touch it. But he knew, you don't know the Bible, Eve. You don't know the word of God, and it's so important. Every time Jesus defended himself against the devil's attacks, he used the word of God. It's vital that you know the Bible. And not only did Jesus know the Bible, obviously he is the word of God, he was submitted to it. He didn't just have it up here like, yeah, I know what the Bible says there. His life was like, I know what it says. That's what I want to do. That's what our life should be. Here's what the word of God says, and that's what I want to do. Can we hit that mark every time? No, we make, that's why we're sinners. We miss the mark. 
But it's our aim. God, I want to honor you with my life. I want to honor you with what I do. He was a liar from the be a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in the truth. Eve had no idea she was being killed. She didn't know that this was going to take her out and the whole human race. She had no idea the severity of just grabbing that fruit and taking one bite. She didn't know the effect, how it would affect all the way down 6,000 years later, 7,000 years later to you and I. She had no idea. And neither do we know the effect of our sin and how the ripple effect, what that's going to look like to our kids, to our spouse. We, we're, we're unaware that, that what happens. Because there's no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. He's a liar. He murdered with his mouth by lying. Turn to John chapter 10, just a page over. He's talking about thieves and robbers coming in and robbing the sheep and destroying the flock. And then verse 10, he says, the thief doesn't come. And that is the ultimate thief, the chief thief. Just like Jesus is the chief shepherd, there is a chief thief. He doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his aim for your life if you'll yield to what he says and what he wants you to do. He comes to steal. He's not, he's not happy if he just steals from you. He's not just happy to, to kill, but then he wants to destroy around you. And Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. When, when God told Adam and Eve, hey, don't eat that fruit, he didn't say, if you eat that fruit, I'll kill you. He said, if you eat that fruit, it will kill you. That's the mistake we make in this life as Christians. We think that God is so restrictive that he's trying to keep us from fun, but he's trying to keep us from harm. He didn't say, I'll kill you if you touch that. He said, listen, don't do that because it will kill you. Its ultimate goal, its aim, when you do things that are outside the word of God, death comes. That's the problem. Turn to Proverbs chapter 7 with me for a second. <clears throat> I'm going to read this quickly. And I read this when we were down in, uh, in Mexico. There was a teen retreat and... Uh, I read this to some of the teens because as a teenager, you know, there are temptations. But it, it says this, talking about keeping the word of God, keeping God's commands and living. Why? Because there's a temptation out there. And then it says, verse 5, that they might keep you from an immoral woman or an immoral man from the seductress who flatters with her words. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice. So, so the writer of Proverbs, Solomon is saying, this is what I saw. 
I saw among the, among the simple ones, and I perceived among the youths a young man, void of understanding, passing along the streets near her house. And all of a sudden, he begins to take the path to her house, goes out of his way. And it says, in the twilight and in the evening, in the black and dark night, there was a woman who met him with the attire of a harlot and crafty at heart. And she was loud and rebellious. Her feet wouldn't stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. And she caught him and kissed him. And with an impotent face, she said, I have peace offerings with me. Today I've paid my vows. I come out to meet you diligently to seek your face. And I have found you. I've spread my bed with tapestry with colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed, and what she perfumes her bed with are embalming spices, myrrh, aloe, and cinnamon. She says, come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him, and he will come home on an appointed day. And with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. And with her flattering lips, she seduced him. And immediately... He went after her, listen, as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of stocks till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to a snare. And he says that he did not know it would cost his life. Therefore, listen to me, my children, pay attention to the words of my mouth. Don't let your heart turn aside to her ways. Don't stray in her paths. She's cast down many wounded And all who are slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. He didn't know that that choice and the direction of his life by something maybe everyone around you is doing. He didn't know it would cost him his life. Stepping outside of the bounds of the word of God. That's why God says, listen, I don't want you to get hurt. I'm not going to kill you. This will kill you. This is going to affect you. For a long time. That's what sin does. And so the devil here. Tempting. Jesus. Wants him to step outside of the bounds of the word of God. God's word we see three times. That Jesus defends himself by using the word of God. The psalmist said. Thy word have I hid in my heart. That I might not sin against you. It's very important that you you take God's word and learn it. Memorize it so you can defend yourself. So you know what the Bible says. How will you ever know I shouldn't do that unless somebody said, unless the Bible says, listen, that's sin. That's wrong. Don't do that. That's that's not the path you want to go down. That's what compromise will do if you don't know the word of God. The other thing that is very important is prayer. You read in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel prays for three weeks. He, needs, he wants vision, instruction, information. God, what is going to happen to your people? Are we going to get out of this? And then an angel shows up and says, Daniel, since the day you started fasting and praying three weeks ago, I was dispensed to give you an answer. But the prince of Persia, this demon over the area of Persia, Iran, I fought against him. And then Michael, the archangel, had to come and fight. Release me so I could come and tell you this. Prayer is something 
You know, that's why the Bible says that we need to ask, seek, and knock. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep praying. How many times have we fallen short in prayer? Like we pray one time and then that's it. That's the end. We quit praying. And Daniel kept praying for three weeks. What if he's, after a week he's like, man, God, are you even going to answer? I mean, that would be a long time if you guys prayed for a week over something, right? Sometimes for some things or two weeks or three weeks. Daniel's just praying and fasting. God, I need an answer. I need to hear from you. When you read Ephesians chapter 6, talking about, turn there with me real quick, and then we'll just go through. Uh, we have communion today. Then we'll just pick apart what Jesus said. But turn with me to Ephesians 6 real quick. Ephesians 6, Paul says this in verse 10, starts out a, a, a teaching on the battle that we're in, the warfare. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Because he's crafty. He doesn't come as a, with a pitchfork in his hand. He comes as an angel of light with schemes. He says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having... And then he talks about the different armor that we can put on. Having your, girded your waist with truth. So important to know the truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, which you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. His lies. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then he says this. This is how you put it on because this stuff's not in your closet. It's in your prayer closet. This stuff you don't get up and say, I got to put this armor on today. Uh, let me get in my closet. And then he says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance. And then he talks about with supplications for all saints, praying for other people. That's how you put the, your armor on to get through the day. Should be prayerful. Should be praying. Hard to go into this battle without the word of God and without praying. It's, 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 not, uh, it's not a winning combination if you don't know the word of God, if you're not learning the word of God. Maybe. Memorizing it is ideal. But learning it, knowing where the passages are in the, in the Bible, knowing where a section of Scripture is, where the Bible talks about you know, faith or, or, or whatever, trials, should know these things. It says this, when Jesus is hungry, you know, I think it's Mark's gospel, says he's not only in the wilderness, in this desert, hard place, if you've ever been to a place that's hard, 
Sometimes you can have tons of people around you, but you're still in a hard place. You feel alone, like nobody understands. Nobody, what am, I'm going through something. I'm around all these people, but nobody knows exactly how I feel. I'm pretending to be, you know, happy. I'm pretending uh, to, to, you know, be glad or whatever, but I'm alone. I feel alone in this situation. I feel alone in my life. Nobody understands. Everything good is happening for them and nothing good is happening to me. And Jesus know. and then it says not only is he in the wilderness alone, but it says there's wild beasts there, right? Like sometimes you're afraid, wondering what's happening. It says that Jesus, after 40 days, he was hungry. And then the devil comes to him at a weak moment. Your weakest moment. The devil's not going to come to you. He might come to you during church. He might come to you right after church. But a lot of times, a great time to come is when you're at your very weakest. Maybe your lowest. A bunch of things have happened to you in your life. And then the devil comes and lies to you. And the devil says to him, if you are the, or since you're the son of God, Command this stone to become bread. Like, what's so wrong with that? Like, he's Jesus. He could, what's the harm in just turning that into bread? Why is that so bad? It, what the devil is doing, and he's, he's questioning God's provision, God's love, his heart. Listen, God's not providing what you need. You need food. You're hungry. And God doesn't care about you. Why don't you just turn this bread, this stone into bread? You'll feel better. You'll like it. If he loved you, you wouldn't be suffering like this in the wilderness. You wouldn't, have a, you wouldn't feel this way. Because God just wants you to be happy all the time. And nothing hard. And that's not true. That's why Jesus is going this, through this before us. And then and Jesus defends himself with the Bible. Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 6. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Why? Because there's something inside of you that needs to be fed every day. More than just eating food, and it's your spirit. And Jesus will tell his disciples that as he teaches them, listen, uh, uh, you know, life isn't all about what you eat or what you can drink what you can put on, right? He says, your heavenly father knows all those things. And then he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all that other stuff, what you eat. And people's lives are consumed with that. What you eat, what you put on, what you have, what you wear, stuff. And that's normal. We, we, we do worry about that. And Jesus said, listen, that stuff is secondary. God is going to provide all that. There's a deeper need in every person. It's seeking God's kingdom. That's the thirst that everyone has that they're looking for to quench. God, fill my inside. And Jesus says that, listen, don't worry about that. Focus on this. Put more effort into this, seeking my kingdom, God's kingdom, and all this other stuff, you don't have to sweat it. God's going to provide for you if you're seeking my kingdom. Doing his will. That's what Jesus was doing. 
And then the devil takes him up to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in, the mo- in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, all will be yours. I'll give it to you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. I think it's Deuteronomy 12. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. Jesus continues to give him the word of God. You'd think the devil was done, but he takes a different approach, a different angle. An easier way. Restrictions is what he's saying. God is so restrictive in your life. Why don't you open up your mind a little bit? You don't have to win the world through your love and through Calvary, through the cross. I'll give it to you right now. I'll give you whatever you want. You just fall down and worship me. It's so restrictive the way God thinks. He's keeping you from fun. Do you actually want to go to the cross and die? Have your beard plucked out? Because that's what he's offering Jesus. And if Jesus accepts, there's no salvation. Right? And the devil will lie to you and I. Say, you know what? There's a different life than a life of sacrifice. A different life you can live outside of taking up your cross daily and following the Lord. You don't have to do that. It's too restrictive. That's crazy. Who would ever ask that of someone? That's a hard life. Follow me. I've got a lot of nice things for you. Do what I say. And then you avoid heaven. Eternity. He says, you worship me, and I'll give you whatever you want. That's what the devil's saying. And Jesus is like, no. Get behind me. And then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. But he omits a part of that. He uses the Bible. Is that not amazing that the devil quotes Psalm 91 to Jesus, who is the word of God, and he, miss, he twists it. He omits part of it because it says to keep you in all your ways. As you follow the Lord, God is going to protect you. So he uses that, omits part of it, and says, man, he's going to give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Just jump off. Man, what an entry. What a ministry. Jump off the pinnacle of the temple. Everyone will see it. Everyone will follow you. What an amazing thing. And Jesus is like, no, that's not going to happen. You're not going to tempt the Lord your God. And so many people do. So many people think, you know what? I'm going to live the way I want to live, do what I want to do. Doesn't matter what that is. God's going to protect me. I'm a king's kid. I'm a, I go to church. But that's not true. If you're stepping outside of the bounds of the word of God, the Bible says you reap what you sow. And there's a very good chance, 100% chance, that you reap what you sow. Even as a Christian, if you really are. Right? Some of the question is, man, if you're willing to follow your, your fleshly appetites, you know, are you a Christian? I don't know. 
We're all sinners. He says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And Jesus defends himself by the word of God. And it says, the devil had ended every temptation. He departed until he had an opportune time. And he's going to come back. We know that one time he comes back is in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus goes to pray and he brings the disciples. Come on, would you pray with me? Watch him pray for an hour. And the disciples are falling asleep and Jesus goes to him three times. Jesus is sweating great drops of blood as he's heading to Calvary. What's the devil telling him? Man, you can avoid this. You don't have to go. I don't know what he's telling him. Jesus is sweating great drops of blood, but the disciples are asleep. He says, watch and pray unless you enter into temptation. Watch out because you're going to enter in if you're not careful. His insinuation is that I'm being tempted, and if you don't watch and pray, you're going to be tempted to avoid the cross, to avoid Calvary. Maybe to not become a Christian. Be careful. That's the warning. Listen, the devil does not like you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He did it in the garden with Eve. His aim is death. To rob the word of God, the truth of God. He hates your life. He hates you. He hates your family. Why would you follow him? Why would you listen to him? Why would you believe him? And he comes to appeal to your flesh. Your carnal nature your sinful desires. That's what he comes to appeal to. You have to be so careful. And that's why Jesus didn't avoid the cross. That's what we celebrate today. Calvary. What he did. When you take communion, it's a reminder that 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross for you and I. He died in our place that we could have heaven. We could have forgiveness of sins. And that's just a reminder. We, we take that, you sit, you know, Justin will be up here doing worship. The guys are passing out communion, right? There's the human element of all this. People bump into you, whatever. It's awkward, you're grabbing communion. But you sit there and remember what Jesus did and who he is. Because that's a reality. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. As often as you do this, every time you do this, remember me because this happened. There's an empty tomb in Israel today. An empty tomb. Jesus rose from the dead because he loves you and I. So Lord, we give you our lives, God. Thank you for your word. The warnings that we have there, the truth. Lord, we have an adversary, the enemy. He's a roaring lion. His goal is to seek whom he can devour. Steal, kill, and destroy. He's a liar, a murderer, and he doesn't like us. By far does not want us to follow him, Lord. But we look to Calvary. We look to the cross. Uh, You went before us, Lord. You were in all points tempted, yet without sin. You're acquainted with all of our infirmities, our, our weaknesses, frailties. You love us, Lord. We just want to give you our lives and pray that that as we take communion, Lord, we would really remember what you did.
and how much you loved us in spite of us. That The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. So we just want to give you our lives, Lord. Help us to, to be careful, Lord, to know that our, our life isn't restrictive. It's safe as we walk with you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. It says this in Hebrews chapter 4, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then he says this, Let us therefore come boldly to a throne of grace. Because God knows us, knows that our weaknesses, knows what we go through. We're not Jesus. He has given us his spirit to strengthen us. But we might come to a throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, if you've made a mistake like me, uh, we can come to a throne of grace, not judgment. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we go to a throne of grace. We never have to stand before the judgment seat to be judged about for all of our sins. But if you don't know him, you, you have to stand there someday and give an account for your life. Apart from that, listen, we can find grace and mercy. Jesus Christ loves you. That's why we celebrate communion. It's a reminder of how much he loves us and cares for us. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. We'll pray. If not, have a great week.